This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Today is Saturday, October 3rd, 2020. On this day in 1981, Northern Ireland's H-Block hunger strike ended after 217 days. The protest carried out by members of the Irish Republican Army resulted in significant prison reform and peace agreements. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the official conclusion to one of Ireland's most historic hunger strikes, a movement seeking better treatment for inmates at Long Kesh Prison. Now let's head back to October 3rd, 1981. After 55 days with no food, 23-year-old Pat Sheehan hardly had the strength to roll over in his hospital bed. He weighed 105 pounds and had gone almost totally blind, rotting away in the Long Kesh Detention Center's hospital in Northern Ireland. The morning light pooled in from a nearby window, and Pat remembered what he'd heard the night before. Had it actually happened? he'd been informed that the hunger strikers had decided to officially stop their protest. Due to the effects of extreme starvation, Pat only had 48 to 72 hours left to live. But the idea of halting the strike disappointed him. He'd lost 10 comrades in the summer months, all fellow prisoners from the Irish Republican Army who had laid down their lives fighting for the cause. If the IRA's remaining volunteer strikers gave up now, Pat feared the losses they'd already taken would be in vain. But across the prison complex, imprisoned IRA member 30-year-old Brendan McFarlane knew continuing on in their efforts would be a moot point. In the previous days, mothers had told prison officials that they would intervene should their sons fall unconscious. Undermined by their soft hearts, their opposition had no reason to honor their demands. So, McFarlane asked the guards to take him to the various solitary H-block cells where the striking men were held. One by one, Brendan visited Jerry Carville, who'd fasted 31 days, John Pickering, who'd fasted 24 days, Gerard Hodgins, who'd fasted 17 days, and Jim Devine, who'd fasted 10 days. He warned each about the futility of continuing their strike. And though disheartened, the prisoners knew McFarlane was right. There was no point in persisting and bringing further harm to themselves. But two more strikers still needed to agree, Jackie McMullen and Pat Sheehan. Both were situated in the prison's hospital in rapidly declining health, so Brendan and his prisoners requested they be allowed a meeting with their two fellow comrades. 
Knowing the men were planning to concede, the prison guards allowed the afternoon conference. The men walked down the white corridors, past the steel cell doors, and toward the medical unit with a dual sense of solidarity and honor. They knew what they'd done had made history, but they hadn't been victorious. At 2 p.m., Brendan, Jerry, John, Gerard, and Jim stood beside Jackie McMullen and Pat Sheehan. While they'd otherwise meet in the canteen, they'd been forced to gather in Pat's medical cell since Pat was too weak to move. It didn't take long for the seven men to arrive at a decision. They felt a sense of defeat, knowing the decision had been made for them by their families. Nevertheless, they accepted the circumstances and discussed how they would formally communicate their stance to the public. One hour later, at 3 p.m., the prisoners returned to their respective cells and Pat Sheehan called in the senior hospital officer. It was then that Pat announced he was terminating his hunger strike. The seven men issued a joint statement to the press. They wrote that they had been robbed of the hunger strike as an effective protest weapon, principally because of the successful campaign waged out against distressed relatives. The act of apparent surrender was covered far and wide by Irish newspapers, many expressing relief. But members of the IRA were angry. As they planned retaliation for the days to come, night fell on the land. At the end of a monumental day in Irish history, there was one question everyone wondered. Would any of the prisoners' demands still be honored? Coming up, how the IRA prisoners fought their way to justice. Hi listeners, I'm so excited to introduce you to the newest Spotify original from Parcast called Blind Dating. Hosted by YouTuber Tara Michelle, Blind Dating is a fun twist on a classic setup. Strangers are introduced, conversation commences, and sparks either fly or fizzle. But here's the catch. Our hopeful singles have to choose their match before ever seeing their face. And once they've picked their potential date, we turn the cameras on, and then it's either butterflies or goodbyes. Blind Dating airs weekly with new episodes every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now, back to the story. On October 3rd, 1981, protesting members of the Irish Republican Army announced the end of their 200-day hunger strike. Though the prisoners weren't happy with the decision, they felt they had no choice after Father Dennis Fall had won over the compliance of their parents. The mothers of the prisoners had all agreed that they would intervene should their sons slip unconscious. Without their lives on the line, the strikers had no bargaining power. But three days after the announcement, 
On October 6, 1981, some of the objectives they'd set out to achieve were actually instated. James Pryor, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, announced that prisoners would be allowed to wear their civilian clothes at all times. In addition, social interaction would be allowed in neighboring wings of the prison blocks, as well as in the exercise and recreation rooms. While this was a significant step forward for the prisoners, there were still major concerns over the labor they were required to do and the time they still had to serve. After all, the entire protest had stemmed from the fact that they were being treated like criminal prisoners rather than political insurgents. Prisoner Pat Sheehan felt that he and his fellow IRA inmates should be released on the grounds that they'd been robbed of their right to protest. The British government promised these concessions a year earlier, but it soon became clear that they were making no efforts to implement them. In turn, the hunger strike of 1981 began. Now, a year later, at the end of the brutal period of starvation, the prisoners felt skeptical about James Pryor's statement to them. They wanted real change, not just the rights to wear their own clothes and enjoy social encounters in the jail. And outside of the jail, IRA members stewed over the fact that British Parliament had done little else to appease the protesting party. So they took to the streets with their anger. On Saturday, October 10th, just seven days after the hunger strike ended, the Irish Republican Army hid a bomb in a parked van in London. They detonated it as a bus carrying British soldiers passed. Two civilians and 20 soldiers died in the incident. 40 were injured, and small attacks persisted throughout both Northern Ireland and Britain. It seemed for a while that there would never be any compromise found between the Irish Republican Party and Britain. Then, on September 25, 1983, almost two years after the hunger strike ended, 38 prisoners rammed their way out of an H-block in the Long Cash prison. Four prison guards were stabbed, one died, and others sustained severe injuries, but the event marked one of the biggest jailbreaks in British history. The escape made headlines and was a major morale boost for the IRA, though there were other smaller escape attempts in the years that followed, all were unsuccessful. So the IRA prisoners who had gone on strike waited patiently for their freedom, feeling they were jailed unlawfully. And throughout the 1980s, the British government slowly began to budge. They gave the IRA more of a voice in politics. They introduced more changes within the prison system, and eventually, on April 10, 1998, the Good Friday Agreement was signed. Under this peace deal, all prisons containing IRA prisoners would be emptied on the condition that the IRA members agreed to an ongoing ceasefire. Though tensions persisted between the British government and the IRA of Northern Ireland, the hunger strike of 1981 amplified the voices of the prisoners for the better. Eventually, by 2000, its impact even won 428 prisoners their freedom, proving resilience in the face of injustice 
can rise above all. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Lauren DeLille, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Remember to follow Blind Dating for a Dash of Romance and Rejection. YouTuber Tara Michelle hosts, and she's thrilled to help hopeful singles meet their match once they've survived the hot seat. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.